So if you will turn with me tonight to 1 Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 12. How many of you know the scripture? When Jesus told his disciples, In the world you will have much tribulation, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. So in your world is much tribulation, right? And all of you have talked to me at one time or another to tell me about the tribulation that you know is in your world. So we know that it is present in us, and we know that also present in us is Jesus Christ who overcomes the world. So one thing for sure, we know that if I give my thoughts to the tribulation that's in my world, what am I giving power to? I'm giving power to tribulation, which comes from who? It doesn't come from Jesus. It comes from the devil. He is there to cause tribulation. He is there to want to persuade us that we don't need God. He is there to persuade us that we're not sons of God. He is there, and in all those thoughts, tribulation comes forth. Everybody with me in that? So, verse 12, chapter 4. Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> so, if I am a believer in Jesus Christ, am I, if I'm keeping the sayings, Connie, would you please give me a... If I am keeping the sayings of Jesus and I am becoming, I'm translating from being a believer to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because a believer and a disciple are not the same thing. We think they are, but they are not. For there are many believed, but only few became disciples. This we know. The multitudes believed, but not multitudes became disciples. So there's a difference between believing and becoming a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. So if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then there are many things that are going to happen to me along the way. Everybody with me in that? So I can go back into the Old Testament. I can go back into the Old Testament. And just as we have done many times before, I can begin to talk about Abraham. Now, the Lord told Abraham in the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis uh, that Abraham was going to be made perfect. That's what he told him. Be thou perfect in, as your Father in heaven is perfect. To be perfect. Now, in our minds, our human minds, we misunderstand that word perfection. We don't get it. But Jesus, when he said that I have glorified thee on earth, I have finished the work that thou gave me to do, was Jesus talking about the perfect work? Was he talking about perfection? That's what he was referring to. So Abraham, all he had to do is follow the word of God and God would make him perfect. So God made covenant with Abraham and God said, Abraham, you're going to have a son from your own seed, right? So here's the important thing. He was not talking about seeds as of many. He was talking about, in the book of Galatians, it says he was talking about that one seed. That is Christ. So when God made covenant with Abraham, he was not talking about Abraham's seed as of many. 
he was talking about that one seed, that is Jesus Christ. That's how he could give the promise to Abraham. So the promise to Abraham was the same as the promise to us. And the promise to us is that we would receive the Holy Ghost. Same promise. So Abraham, in following God, how many fiery trials did Abraham have to partake in as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of God? How many? Many. So the first thing that God said to him was, Abraham, get your wife, your family, and get out of this country. Was that a trial? That was a trial of his faith, whether he believed God or not. It was a trial. And then, as they went further, he received the promise of a son. And so, did he have to enter into a trial based on the promise of God? And did he have to learn in himself that what God said is true and maybe he perceived it or how he perceived it, he may not have heard it right. That was a trial. He was testing the word of God in him. But what did God give him first in order to try him? Gave him a promise, but didn't he not give him the word of God? He gave him the word of God. God never tests you past the word that he has already given you. He gives you the word first. Why would he try you and not have given you the word that would possess your faith? He would never do that. He's a God of grace. So God gives us the word, then the trial comes. Now are we going to trust God in the word that he gave us and face the trial, or are we going to let the trial overwhelm us? That's the, that's the choice in it. So, beloved, think not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. And how many of us receive it that way? Oh, man, I got all this crap going on in my life. Uh, why is it there? Did you hear the word of the Lord? If you heard the word of the Lord, it's definitely going to bring a trial of fire. Because Jesus Christ himself said, John indeed baptized you, or John the Baptist said it this way, I'm sorry. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. So if we think that the fiery trial is not going to come, how can we receive the Holy Ghost if we're not willing to accept the fiery trial? We have to learn to accept it. We have to learn to walk in it, and we have to learn to trust the Word of God that was sent to bring it forth. That's an amazing thing. But rejoice. Now listen to this. This is. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. So when the fiery trial comes, what are we partaking in? The sufferings of Christ. Was Jesus not... Um, Tried in every manner of likeness as you and I? The Bible says he was. And so how, why would we think that that fiery trial is not going to come? But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Oh, praise the Lord. 
So we read, um, we read Sunday from John 17. Did we not? Let me, I'm just going to take you back there for a moment and read it to you again. Starting with, um, well, I'll just start with verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son also may glorify thee. So what's Jesus praying? That the Son be glorified, right? What did we just read here? That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So, ah, so Jesus is praying that the Son's going to be glorified. Now he's going to take it past himself. He's going to take it beyond himself. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should have eternal life, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So this glory was for a specific reason, that Jesus Christ could give eternal life to as many as God had given him. Wow. Now I want you to begin to think in the prophecy about what God has said you are. In prophecy, what hath God said you are? You're a son. As a son of God, are you going to have to suffer the sufferings of Jesus Christ in order to be a partaker of your heavenly calling? And the answer is, of course you are. You are endowed with the spirit of the most high God. So he told his disciples, you go to an upper room in Jerusalem, right? And you stay there until you be endued with power from on high. Wow. Yet, when we go into the upper room, you know how long it takes for us to get bored? And in our mind, we move on to something else because we just can't wait before God. In Acts, the, second, in Acts, the first chapter, how long were they there? How many days? How about 10 in 50 days? I want to read it to you. So I'm not seeing it right off the bat. All I'm seeing is that there were 120 people in the room and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, right? The part, I, the, that's the, the part I want to make, the part I want to emphasize is that 120 people there, but, but how many people were there before the Holy Ghost, before, the, before the, thing, the event happened? They first gathered 500 people. And then when the Holy Ghost came, 380 of them had departed. So what remained? There were 500 believers, but what remained? 120 disciples. And of 120 disciples, how many of them became apostolic? 11. Because Judas was already taken out. So there were 11 that became apostolic until God later put Saul or Paul in as the 12th apostle. So what, what, the, what I'm uh, meaning to show you tonight is that as a partaker of the sufferings of Christ, Christ suffered greatly for you and I. To, he suffered greatly to make that place for you and I to enter into. And I was reading from um, John 17, right? Let me go back. And this is life eternal. So now... He, he, he did what he did to give life eternal to as many as God had given him, correct? And this is life eternal, that they whom you have given me might know 
you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the whole part of eternal life is what? Is for what? For you to know the true God and for you to know the Word of God who God has sent. And if we know those things, we have eternal life and we will always have eternal life. Because we will now know the Father through the Son and we will know the Son through the Father. Did Jesus tell us that? In the, in the Gospels? He did. Now listen. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. So, Jesus has not yet been crucified. But is the work finished? Yes. So in the mind of Jesus, had he already suffered death on the cross? He had. He knew that the will of the Father was going to be performed. He knew that he was not going to remove himself from the work of God. He knew he was going to make sure that the blood of the everlasting covenant was on the doorposts of God's own house and that he was not going to remove himself from that covenant that he and the Father had made together as one. He knew it. For whose blood was on the doorposts of that covenant, his own, his own blood. So knowing that it was own, his own blood from the beginning, he knew that he was going to fulfill the will of God. And all we have to do, this is, we do not have to suffer that death. We just have to become partakers in it through believing that he did it for us. We just have to come to the place of agreement in it to where we become the manifestation in our world that we believe that that Word of God is on the doorposts of our heart and that we will not forsake the Word of God. That's the place God has put us in. He's ordained it to us. So um, those things are extremely powerful. So it says in verse 13 in, in Peter, 1 Peter, But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So how's that glory going to be revealed then? Yeah, in us, through us partaking in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, right? That we have a will in this thing, and that will needs to come into what? Into the agreement with the will of God. That's why even before he went to the cross, what did Jesus say? Not my will, but thy will be done. And when you see who you are through the covenant of of Jesus Christ, now you are in that oneness of relationship with the Father as a son. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So, if I'm a partaker in Christ's sufferings, right? If I'm reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, then what am I? I'm happy. Because now the name of Jesus is being made manifest in me. Now that doesn't mean I walk around the physical earth bearing the reproaches. You know, I got this burden on my life. And, 
and uh, you know, I got to bear this thing. That's not what it is talking about, even for one moment. You know that when Jesus was going to bear the reproach of sin upon himself for the whole world, it made him happy. It made him happy. When Jesus was bearing his cross, his mother looked at him in great worry, right? What did he tell his mother? Anybody know? remember that story in the scripture? Behold thy son. Why did he tell her that? Because he wanted her to understand that this was the will of God. And from this day forward, she would be with him in paradise. He was putting his own mother in prophecy through the bearing of his cross that in him was eternal life and they would never be apart again. So just like Pastor Rick and Pastor Dan with my son, they said, Dave, put him in prophecy, put him in prophecy, put him in prophecy. When they first started seeing I, I was like, I, I'm not sure I understand what that means. And so I had to ask them, tell him that it won't be long until you will never be separated ever again, that you will be together in paradise forever. Tell him. How hard is that? If you believe God, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to say, isn't it? I praise God for that. I, I learned something in that whole exchange is that I learned how to put a person who is on the forefront of death that I can put them in prophecy and in putting them in prophecy they will know that they will never be separated from the life of Jesus Christ ever again. You take away the curse so you can rejoice. Isn't that awesome? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. Say amen. On your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matters. Did you hear that? That is, <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. Let me say it again. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matters. Isn't that Satan? Isn't that what Satan does? That's the heart of the man of sin right there. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, as a believer, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So Peter, did he have to learn this the hard way? How many times did Peter deny Jesus Christ? Three times. How many times before that that we know of? Did Peter say, tell Jesus that Jesus didn't have to die, Peter was going to die for him? Was that a denying of the Christ? That was, he denied the Lord. He denied Christ. I remember in my infanthood as becoming a, a uh, born-again Christian, because I was a Christian because I believed in Jesus, but I had to be born again into the right Jesus because I was believing the wrong Jesus. <laughs> Everybody understand that? I hope you do because 
it's not a, that hard of a concept. So when I got born again into the right Jesus, and I was beginning to preach the Word of God, I remember having a thought in and of myself that if Jesus were here today, I have enough of the Word of God in me that Jesus wouldn't have to die. So who was making that statement? Was Jesus telling me I had enough Jesus in me that Jesus wouldn't have to die? Or was the man of sin saying, ha ha, I filled you with enough knowledge that you're going to crucify the Lord yourself. Wow. I mean, when Peter said it, Peter thought he was saying a good thing. What did God say to reprove him? Get behind me, Satan. Bam! Wow. Lord, you didn't have to hit me in the face that hard. But isn't that what it takes to wake us up? Actually, wasn't it the love of God and the mercy of God? When Jesus spoke it, it was the most merciful, most graceful thing that God could say to Peter to shake him up so that he would know that this Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus came from the Father. This Jesus came to take on the sins of the world. This Jesus was the one and only true God. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now listen to this. This is the whole crux of what I'm going to say to you tonight. For the time is come. We were talking to John about this last night. When this scripture came to me last night, I was like, man, this scripture has got to be preached. This, this thing is awesome. For the time is come. That means the time is now. That judgment must begin at the house of God. Where must it begin? At the house of God. That's you. I am God's house. Judgment begins right here. Not to go out, but to do what? To go in. Eternal judgment is a judgment that is foundational to the life of Jesus Christ in every one of us. And that judgment never ceases from its work. It's from that judgment that the priest of God can go forth and say, clean, unclean, clean, unclean. It's that from that judgment that the angels can go into the harvest work of God and separate the wheat from the tares. It's from that judgment that the men who God hath chosen to become fishers of men can open up the nets of those, of those men and say, good fish, bad fish. Good fish, bad fish. Clean, unclean. Clean, unclean. Even to Peter, when Peter saw the sheet come down out of heaven, Peter, and the God said, Peter, take up and eat. And Peter said, no. And God said, take it up and eat. And Peter said, no. And God said, take it up and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. And God had to change his perception, change his mind. Peter, everything that I have made is clean. The only part that's not clean is the way you think about it. The part that's not clean is the way I think about it. 
How many of you are beginning to understand that religion has had its way in us long enough? And believe me, you do not have to be raised in church or even go to have ever gone to a church to be religious. You, it's just, that's just not the part of it. It's the way we think about ourselves and about mankind as a whole that makes me religious. Because I guarantee God's perception of religion and our perception of religion doesn't even come close to coming together at any point. It's not there. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God and at first begin with us. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So, in that judgment of clean and unclean, right? You have a world of iniquity in you. And it takes the principle of eternal judgment working in your world as a son, as a priest of God, to know the difference between good and evil, to know the difference between clean and unclean, to know the difference between those who are gods and those who are not gods. How many of us work worldly sorrow towards those that are not gods? We have all done it, every one of us. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Well, we already know that in the kingdom of heaven, there is no sinner, right? No sin enters into the kingdom of heaven. We already know that there's no unrighteousness in the kingdom of heaven. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Now he's taking you right back up to the sufferings of Christ, right? Wherefore, let Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Wow. So if I'm becoming a partaker in the sufferings of Christ, then who am I committing my soul to? I'm committing my soul to Jesus Christ. Is he not the only one that can save it? Is he not the only one God sent to redeem it? And the answer is yes. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Wow. So now he's telling you, Peter's saying, I am an elder. And I am also a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. In other words, he, has, he bears the testimony, he bears witness with Christ in his sufferings that he also can bear witness and have the testimony of his resurrection. That's who we are to become. Without us partaking in the sufferings of Christ, can we partake in the power of his resurrection? And the answer is no. We think that we should just get the Holy Ghost. That's what we think. You cannot become a partaker in the power of his resurrection until you become a partaker in his sufferings and death. 
God designed it that way from the beginning for our sake so that we will know that we have overcome sin, death, and the devil. Wow. So like, I had this dream, and I'm not going to tell you the dream, but a few weeks ago I had a dream. And I was in the dream all night long. And in the dream, certain aspects of sin were be, be becoming, were being overcome. And so I shared the dream with the other elders. And this is what they said to me. Wow. They said, you're, on, you're standing on the precipice of coming to the place where the devil is going to be put under your feet. And I said, man, Lord, let that happen. Put him under my feet. Because we can deal with the aspects of sin and, and wicked spirits in a presence of time. Really, the aspect, God is after not those things. God is after the root of it. And it's the devil that is the root of it all. So when God puts Satan under your feet, are you going to have to work, are you going to have to be concerned with the spirits that are in him? Or has he put it all under your feet? He's put it all under your feet. Wow. Rick had a dream several years ago. And in the dream, he had to enter this, this room of darkness. And there was a young man in the back of the room. And Rick had to go through all these spirits to get to that young man in the back of the room. And I'm not going to tell you the brunt of the dream, but Rick had to pass through them quickly. Otherwise, he would be persuaded or kept from what he was sent to perform by them. And so he passed through them like a, a, a light sent from heaven. And when he got to that young man, he had two spirits of darkness on him. And Rick had to overcome them in order to save his soul. And that's how Jesus Christ is working by the word of his power in each and every one of us to overthrow those things in us. That's why he comes to us with the word of God to overcome those spirits that work against us to keep us from coming into the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God's after it and God's going to get it. The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, he says, he said all that to say this. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. In other words, this, make this your life. Don't think that God's constraining you to do it. Or don't feel constrained to do it. This is the willingness of life in serving God. It is my will because it is the will of God. You understand that? Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for 
money's sake or for filthy lucre's sake, but of a ready mind. Amen. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. What, Barth, I'm going to ask, ask you a question. Because something was said, and I don't know if I shared it with you or not. I think I did, but I'm not sure. So what happened to you happened because why? I told you Sunday. Nope. Because it happened to me. Yeah, it happened to me. Now, that blows my mind. Because who had to be the partaker of it first? Christ? The head of the church? Yeah. See, God has ordained his government from the beginning. And so the more that I partake in the sufferings of Christ, and the more I partake in the glory uh, that is given in it, the more also you all shall become partakers of that same glory. Wow. Wow. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a a crown, a clown. You shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. So then in verse 5 it says this, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I love it. God has ordained it perfectly in heaven. And we stand in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in that place, we become partakers of his suffering and we become partakers of his resurrection for our own sake and for the sake of God. Man, that just... These things, they bear a great presence in us when we believe. So now let God generate generate in us past being a believer and let us become disciples of Jesus Christ. Because without bearing it in discipleship, you can never bear it apostolically, ever. Follow your elder. Believe in Jesus Christ. Submit yourself unto God and believe that Jesus Christ is the one true and only God. Amen? Well, I hope I've blessed each and every one of you in the Word of God tonight. And I pray that you'll meditate on these things. And God bless you all. Love you all. Talk to you all soon.